The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. To you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, A rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, What is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship, because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, What shall I do now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me? I am not strong enough to dig. I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do so that when I am removed from the stewardship, they may welcome me into their homes. He called in his master's debtors one by one. To the first he said, How much do you owe my master? He replied, One hundred measures of olive oil. He said to him, Here is your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for fifty. Then to another the steward said, And you, how much do you owe? He replied, One hundred cores of wheat. The steward said to him, Here is your promissory note. Write one for eighty. And the master commended that dishonest steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation. Then are the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If, therefore, you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Well, before we dive into these amazing readings this Sunday, uh, just a, a brief announcement. So after the closing prayer, we're going to have an announcement from a, one of our vibrant ministries in the parish, St. Vincent de Paul. And so they'll be giving after Mass, just a short little two to three minute presentation on what that ministry does. And it's a fantastic ministry because they deal directly with the poor of our community. 
Remember Jesus Christ himself said that part of the mark of a, of a faithful disciple of his is our closeness to those who are underprivileged and the poor. And so St. Vincent de Paul actively work as a, does the face of our parish community to those who are most in need. And so we'll have a brief presentation, about a two to three minute talk after the closing prayer at Mass. So let's prepare yourselves. Well, let's get into these readings profound this Sunday as we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this past Friday, just two days ago, I was in Davis on Friday nights. I met up for dinner with one of my old, old friends. We've known each other since we were 12 years old. And we haven't seen each other since the pandemic, so I said, hey, Let's catch up now that I'm, I'm in Vacaville, I'm close to town. Let's just hang out. And so we went there, Friday night, Davis, went to Burgers and Brew. Good food, Burgers and Brew. And so we were just sitting there, again, Friday night, busy college town of UC Davis. And we've all been there. It's a nice, quaint little walkable college town. And it was just jam-packed with the students. You can imagine, Friday night. All the young people are all going bar hopping, as, they, as college students sometimes do. And everyone's just having a good time. It was a beautiful evening. As it often happens when you're hanging out with an old friend, you start to reminisce about the good old days when we had no responsibility, when life was easy, and you didn't have those mysterious pains of your body as, you, as we grow older. Us old people know that, amen? <laughs> so. There's mysterious pains that come out of nowhere for whatever reason. And we're just reminiscing about the good old times. And looking around at all the different college-age people, we're just reflecting about how things have changed. It's been 20 years since we've been in college. And as I was staring at the young people, I remembered a study that I had recently read about that particular age demographic. I don't know if you know this already, but I'm a nerd. I love statistics and research papers. In fact, a wild night here in Vacaville is me with going through research papers and reading articles. So that's the wild night with Father Sullivan, right? So. That age group, according to the CDC and many other studies, ages 18 to 25, that particular demographic, out of all the different age groups that they studied, looked into, 18 and 25-year-olds in the United States are the most lonely. They are the most isolated. In fact, it's said that about 65% of them, when asked, report deep, deep, profound just isolation. They are on an island. They are saying they have high reports of fear, anxiety, depression. And so as we were just staring at all these, all these young people in the prime of their life, I knew, I knew the research. I said, wow, 65% of you guys have broken hearts. Why? 
Because on social media, they're showing their best life, aren't they? <laughs> they're happy, they're having good times, they're partying, they're, going, they're just being young. But they're all wearing masks. Then another study came to mind. For the past three years, the life expectancy of the United States has dropped. Three years straight, since 2019. Our life expectancy is now, so the average age of America, we live to 78.6 years. And it hasn't been this low since the 20s. And the question is, why? People thought, oh, maybe the pandemic. But the researchers said, no. It's the, the drop in age and life expectancy started way back before the pandemic. And then even now, the latest numbers of, in 2021, they came out, same thing, a continued drop. Why? And so researchers looked into this, the three main jumps the cause of this age this life expectancy to drop. Liver cirrhosis, was that related to an abuse of alcohol? Opioid overdoses and suicides. These are the three causing factors for why in the United States our life expectancy is dropping. Why? We're the most materially blessed in the world. We live in the most, pop, the most powerful country in the world. We have the best technology. We live lives of abundance. We have the best healthcare system. And yet we're dropping. Researchers call these deaths, deaths of despair. Broken hearts. Another study comes to mind. Told you I was a nerd. When your grandparents grew up in this country, they would have lived in a country which would have identified as 98% Christian. According to the latest Pew Research studies, that number now is 74%. In 10 years, it's projected to go down to the low 60s. So what is the research saying? Our republic, which is founded on Judeo-Christian principles, you go to the Founding Fathers, they'll say it is the Bible was the number one resource that they used to craft the experiments of our republic. That we be, are becoming less and less religious. And guess which demographic is extremely less religious? It is that 18 to 25-year-old group. Because what does our Christian faith give us? It answers the pivotal question. There's a man by the name of Patrick Lexioni. He's a leadership consultant. So big time, Fortune 500 companies will call Patrick to bring them into their leadership team in order to assess the health and to make sure that, that, that their organization is, is, is functioning high and successful. 
In fact, he wrote a book called The Advantage, Why Organizational Health Trumps Everything Else. That's the title of his book. And whatever company he goes into, he has six questions that he will ask the executives and the managers. He says, all healthy organizations, churches included, can answer these six questions. The first question is directly related to what I've laid out already. Because imagine, if I was, on that Friday night at Davis, if I was hanging out there with my buddy, and I see a group of young people going from one bar to another bar, and I just jumped in front of them. I said, hey! <laughs> I'll ask you a question. What do you think they would say? Get out of my face, you, <laughs> you weirdo. <laughs> I want to ask him one question. And it's the same question that Patrick Lexioni would answer, would ask a company. What is your purpose? What is your purpose for existence? You see, every successful company can answer that question immediately. Organizations which will fail cannot answer that. What is one's purpose in life? Because once we figure out, and the reason why, why Lexione has found in his research that answer that pivotal question then for a company and also for our own lives, is that once, once you understand your purpose, then everything else will feed into that purpose. So if I were to run now, imagine that imaginary group at Davis. Hey, young people, what is your purpose? Being a college town, you probably hear answers like this. Oh, I'm an engineering major. My purpose is to graduate and to build bridges. That's my purpose. Good. The pre-med student will say, oh, my purpose is to become a doctor so I can work in a hospital and help sick people. Beautiful. The Vita culture major will say, my purpose is to make delicious, expensive bottles of wine. Good, what's your purpose? Now the question becomes, related back to us now, what is the purpose of mighty St. Mary's Parish? Which is a huge question, especially for me as your new pastor, because me as, as, as your servant, as the spiritual father of the flock, it is my role and responsibility to define that. And to make sure that we're aiming towards that. So how would you answer that question just in your own imagination? What is the purpose of St. Mary's Parish? I'll give you the answer. It's very simple. We exist so that everybody who walks into this building will have an encounter with the living Jesus. Right there. That is the purpose of St. Mary's Parish, 350 Stinson Avenue. That is why any of this exists. We exist so that everyone who walks in here will encounter the living Jesus. Purpose. Everything must be geared towards that goal. What is your purpose, my friends, for your own life? If I were to ask you that after Mass, I said, hey, 
Melody, what's your purpose? <laughs> Lori, what's your purpose? Dominic, what's your purpose? Wyman, <laughs> what is your purpose? You know how as Christians we answer that. There's only one answer. It is to grow in relationship with this living Jesus. They asked Jesus, Jesus, in Matthew 22, what is the most important law? What is the most important thing in life? They asked Jesus that question. And what our Lord said, our beautiful Lord said that the purpose, the most important thing of our, of our existence is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. Relationship with the living God. Do you remember that other nerdy homily I gave last Sunday? I quoted some more stats. And I quoted for your average eight-year-old all the way to 18 how much they spend on the average American young person on entertainment and social media. Do you remember that number I, I, I said, I shared with you? So the average, the average young person from eight years old to 17, they spend an average of six to nine hours a day on entertainment and social media. What do you think all of that consumption is telling them when, they, when we were to ask them, what is your purpose in life? They would say, I think, I argue, the purpose of life is mammon. Mammon, in the gospel reading, which you heard at the end, is an Aramaic word, which means generally material wealth. So when our Lord here was warning that you cannot serve both God and mammon, he's saying that you cannot love both him and the endless pursuits of material wealth. Because is that not what our culture tends to bombard us with? More houses, more money, more power, more pleasure. It keeps telling us over and over, keep pursuing mammon, mammon, mammon. And many of us are pursuing that, but what's happening is, as the study is showing us, that it's not working. It is not working. That endless pursuit of mammon is leaving a trail of broken lives and broken hearts, fear and anxiety. It is not working. Because now, if we were to answer that question, what is our purpose? If indeed we were to answer that question, our purpose is to grow in relationship with Jesus Christ now. That's why I exist. Now everything must be, must be aiming towards that goal. Watch what happens when we interpret everything through that lens. Why do we go to Mass every single Sunday? To grow in relationship with Jesus Christ and to encounter him. Why do we have faith formation? We have over 200 young people signed up for faith formation when we kick off in a few weeks. Why do we have faith formation? So that the little kids will encounter the living, breathing Jesus and grow a relationship with him. Why do we go to confession? Ah, in order to encounter the living mercy of Jesus Christ and to grow in our faith. 
Why do we pray the rosary and we study sacred scripture? To grow in relationship with Jesus Christ and to encounter the living God. Why do we have St. Vincent de Paul? So that everybody will encounter the living, breathing Jesus through us and grow in relationship with him. Do you see now, once we answer that question, what is my purpose, why we exist, all of a sudden our lives have new meaning. In my previous parish, we had this young lady start coming to a mass. This young lady started dating one of our parishioners. And so they were both devout. He was devoutly Catholic. She was going to a non-denominational church in Reno called the Living Stones. Living Stones is one of Reno's big non-denominational churches, one of those big, big uh, typical things you see. And oh, she hated us. Because <laughs> I don't know if you realize this, but a lot of people have misconceptions about the Catholic church. They think we're weird, which is true. We are. We are weird. Same hang-ups. You guys worship Mary. All your crazy statues. You have all these rituals. You kneel, you stand up. You guys are weird. But they made made an agreement. They'll come to Mass at our parish on Sunday mornings, and then they will go to her church later in the afternoon. And I used to remember her. She used to sit, arms just crossed their entire Mass, with a scowl on her face, and this is one of the reasons why, by the way, you notice I take off my glasses before Mass. I normally wear glasses when you see me out on the street. I don't wear glasses when I'm up here. Why? Because you're all a blurry mess <laughs> right now. And oh, sometimes your faces distract me. Because it's like, oh, I, especially when you get bored from one of my homilies. They're like, oh, oh. And he started making faces at me. I'm like, ah, oh, gosh, distracting. He throws me off. So I, so I learned a long, long, long time ago, t- you take off your glasses, everybody looks happy. <laughs> Happy and beautiful. <laughs> but then at my small parish, because it's small and tiny, I could see her face. Sitting there scowling the entire time. And then one day, she, she comes up to me. Father, I want to become Catholic. I said, whoa, really? I thought you hated us. (laughs) Something happened at Mass. So she was sitting in the pews one Sunday. That scowl look. And we come to the Mass, and you'll see this in a few moments. It's when the priest elevates the host, the bread, Jesus. And I'll yell something at you. (laughs) I'll say, behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. We will repeat the words of St. John the Baptist when he saw Jesus Christ. And I will hold up our Lord right before you receive Holy Communion. Because one of our strange teachings is that we believe that this is not symbolic up here. You see, all the other churches in our community think it's just, this is just symbolic. Not us Catholics. We hold and maintain the apostolic faith of 2,000 years that at every single altar, Jesus Christ is made manifest. 
that he is fully and substantially present, that this is Christ, no longer bread or wine, but it is truly him. So at Mass, as I say those words, she was sitting there in the pews, and the scales fell from her eyes. After she heard those words, she said, she saw Jesus there in my hands. And she finally recognized him. And she wept for the entire Mass. She said, oh my Lord, it's you. Jesus, it's really you. It is you who I've been searching for my entire life. It is truly you here, now present. And she came up to me and said, Father, I will do anything, anything to become Catholic so I may receive the living Jesus into my very body. I want to receive Holy Communion, Father. Oh, she went through the RCIA process. She went everything in. She, uh, I received her into the church, made her first Holy Communion. I did her wedding. I baptized two of her kids. She's now pregnant with a third. They're one of the most fervent Catholics I know. They've become good friends of mine. What is your purpose, my dear friends? Can you answer that question? There's only one right answer. Everything in our lives must be geared towards that living, breathing Jesus Christ.